the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So just to review quickly, we had a situation where the son of David, Absalom, he rebelled against his father. And once he rebelled against his father, the kingdom was going to be stolen or taken away from David. God continued helping David to restore his kingdom. Last time, if you guys remember, there was a war between the army of David and Absalom. And the, the army of David defeated Absalom. And the commander of the army of David, Joab, he killed Absalom against the, the, the agreement or the commandment by David. And then what we're reading this chapter is basically David going back to Jerusalem. So as he's going back, you guys remember when he left to Jerusalem and he ran away, people were cursing him, some people were insulting him, some people started like showing loyalty to him, some showed they don't care for him. So now as he's going back, all those who insulted him or lied to him, now they're a bit nervous because now he's going back to become a king. So all these stories will happen. So last time we saw what happened with Shemai, the son of Gera, the one who cursed out David as he was going to, uh, as he's running away. And we saw him as David going back to the kingdom. He started and he knelt in front of him and he told him, I'm very sorry, I have sinned. And remember last time I was telling you that Shemai is kind of one of us. When we repent, God says, okay, I'm going to give you another chance, another life another time and it's our chance to take it because Shemai he did not utilize this chance of life that David gave him and later on in the book of first king we'll see that he sent against Solomon and it costed him his life okay now just a quick review so before the passage we start reading from chapter 19 verse 24 remember long time ago Jonathan the son of Saul had a son his name is Methibosheth and Methibosheth was paralyzed. If you guys remember that a long time ago. And David said, one day after his kingdom settled, he said, you know, bring me, if there's anybody in the family of Jonathan, I want to show them mercy. So he told him, yes, Jonathan has a child and he's paralyzed. So David brought him in to eat at his table. He brought him to the White House. He will eat with him. He will have all this fun stuff. And he also restored to him all of the lands that was owned by his father, okay? Now this, uh, the son of Jonathan, Methibosheth, had a servant, his name is Zippa. And Zippa was in charge of all his property. He used to, he's a property manager, basically. Now what happened was, when David ran away, if you guys remember, when David ran away, what did Zippa do? Zippa came to David in the wilderness with all these foods and all these resources. And he told him, look, I brought all this for my king. He told him, where is Methibosheth? told him Methibosheth wanted to stay behind because he thought this rebellion would bring him back the kingdom. So he, Zeppa basically lied about Methibosheth, okay? Because this was not the intent of Methibosheth. So now David is coming back to Jerusalem. So one of the people he's going to meet is Methibosheth, the son of Jonathan. This is where we're going to start now in verse 24. Now Methibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace so it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him why did you not go with me Methibosheth 
So once David came, Mathibosheth ran to see him. Obviously, the way Mathibosheth looked does not look like somebody who's having fun. Okay, he was not, he was not showered, he was not cleaned, he's paralyzed, his beard was not cleaned. He looked like somebody who was miserable. So it does not look like somebody who actually was enjoying the, the time when David left. So his appearance showed the genuineness of his action. For David asked him, why didn't you come with me? Okay, and by the way, let me just say, tell you guys a quick comment here. I think it's very important to understand that a lot of the communication we have with people is more nonverbal communication than verbal communication. So the facial expression, the presence. So a lot of times when people wanna have an argument over uh, social media or over text messages or a conversation, it does not really go very well because most of the communication is not present. But this is what happened between David and Some A middleman was there and David was not wise enough to hear from both sides. Remember what David did to Zeba when he told him Mathibosheth He's going to stay behind. What did he tell him? He told him, well, now we can take all the properties of Mathibosheth. So technically, Mathibosheth at this point has nothing. Look then what he said. And he answered, my lord, O king, my servant deceived me, his servant Zeppa. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame. And he has, said, he has slandered your servant to my lord, the king, but my Lord the King is like the angel of God, therefore do what is good in your eyes. So what happened? Mephibosheth told him, Zeba deceived me. He told me, I'm going to prepare a donkey, and once I'm ready, I'm going to put you on the donkey, and we can go to meet David with all the food supplies. And obviously, Zeba left him behind, and left and went with him. St. Gregory the Great said something beautiful. He said, since even prophets... David, we call him a prophet because at some point he prophesied with Samuel. Uh, with Samuel, he was among the prophets. It should come as no surprise that those who do not possess the gift of prophecy may err as well. So St. Gregory is saying, some people have the gift of prophecy, some don't. But even those who have the gift of prophecy may also make a mistake. Because sometimes we have so much trust in the person. By the way, David made that mistake when he was at a spiritual, a good spiritual level with God. For all, this is uh, Matthew Bush's continue, for all my father's house were but dead men before my Lord the King. Yet you set your servants among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out more to the King? So Matthew Bush has told him, Matthew Bush honestly is my favorite character in this chapter. He told him, I was nobody. I, nobody even would think of me. And you brought me. And you took care of me. And you brought me at your table. I'm fully dependent on you. I don't even believe I have the right to ask for more. He's an unusual person. Because when David brought him to his table... It is a human nature to be greedy. And I'll tell you guys something. Sometimes when people, before they start working as professionals, they tend to be more generous. Once they make more money, they tend to be more obsessed with making more and more and more, become greedy. But this man, he says, I don't deserve 
I cannot even ask for more. So content with what David has given him. So content with what David has given him. So the king said to him, why do you speak of uh, any more of your matters? Like, you know, stop talking about this. It's over. I have said you and Zaba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, rather let him take it all inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. I want to stop at this verse. What happened here? David, initially he gave all the properties to Zeb. When he came back and saw Mephibosheth is genuine and he's honest and Zeb lied. What did David do? David did something I think is very unfair. He's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, we don't need to talk about this anymore. You and him split it. Is this fair? It's not fair. Zeba lied, he deceived, and Mathibosh is innocent, and now you're taking the right of somebody or a gift you're given to somebody who's innocent just because he was lame. And you're rewarding almost the lie of Zeba. Why is this a problem? Look at this carefully. Some people can be like David. They are, it's easy for them to forgive people. It's easy for them to give. It's easy for them to even follow some of the commandments of God. But when they see that people are pleased with them and they're happy to please, and people look at them highly, their main goal becomes to please people more and to get validation from people more. So what David did says, you know, Mephibosheth is a poor, poor guy. Anything I give him, he will be happy with. It's basically what he said. You know, why should I cause problems with Zeba and cause headache? Just, you know, give him anything and let it go. He preferred his own validation from people over what is just. He preferred to be treated well by everybody than speaking the truth when he needed to. And I think this is a high level of achieving the commandments when it might affect people's perceptions of you. We can give and sacrifice as long as we believe that people will see it in a good way. But once it comes to the point where we believe people will see it in a bad way, then we might back out a bit. If you look at the scene here, you see that kind of Zeppa is the one, uh, Mephibosheth, the one who came out of this incident, showing that he's above all the conditions. You know, I feel like he reminds me of St. Paul when he said, I learned to be content in all situations, in hunger, in, in abundance, in thirst, all conditions, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthened me, through Christ who strengthened me. That's kind of what Mephibosheth kind of gives you the impression. And he was so happy, he told him, it's enough that you came back. It's enough that you came back. And look at what he told David earlier. He told him, but my Lord has the heart of the angel. He would know what I did. Even though David still treat, mistreated him and be careful from this because God rejected people in the Old Testament for the fact 
they were not just in treating the poor and the vulnerable. It's very easy to try to please the ones who are powerful or the ones that everybody's trying to please. Okay? Now David is going to meet another person on his way back, but this was a friend. And Barazali, the Galatites, came down from Roglim, Rogalim and went across the Jordan with the king. You guys, if you remember Barazali, Barazali, he was actually somebody who gave David a lot of food. And he actually gave him a lot of gifts to help him be sustained in the time of difficulties, in the wilderness. So Barazali is not somebody who's trying to really trying to get any favor from the king. He's just happy for him. Went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now Barazali was a very aged man, 80 years old, an old man. And he provided the king supplies while he stayed in Manihayim, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barazali, come, uh, come across with me and I will provide for you while you are, you are with me in Jerusalem. So what's happening here? Barazali took care of David. And David told him, look, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going back to the big palace with a lot of fun, a lot of food, a lot of activities. Why don't you just come with me? I'll take care of you. Okay? Obviously, one of the most important things here is to understand that Barzillai is coming purely on the, on, the, as on the intention of love. He does not want to expect anything from David because he was with him in the time when he was defeated, when he was about to lose the kingdom, Barzillai stood next to him and supplied him. But he wanted to congratulate him and show him love. But this man actually is quite wise, and he's one of the unknown people in the scripture that is quite wise. But what, look what he told David. But Barzillai said to the king, How long have I to live? That I should go up with the king to Jerusalem. Am I today 80 years old? Can I discern between the good and bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servants be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servants will go a little way across the Jordan with the king. And why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servants turn back again that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father mother. But there is your servant Shemham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him what it seems good to you. Wow. So what is what is but as a light telling, telling David, he's telling him something so beautiful. He told him, I'm 80 years old. You're going to take me to the White House. What's going to happen? You guys are going to have a, a big meal every night. You guys are going to have people coming and singing and dancing and partying. I told him, I'm 80 years old. You think how much of the food I can taste? You know, when you get older, cholesterol level is high, diabetes is high. You're, you can really have to limit what you eat. Told him, what can I eat? I can't eat. When you get older, you can barely stay up late. You want to sleep because you're tired. When you get older, your hearing and your eyes go weaker. So he's telling him, I'm already old. How, would think, how much you think of the music that you have will entertain me or, or, or make me happy? You know, when you look at this person, He's quite unique because the king just telling you, come, I'm going to make you one of the big guys. 
I'm going to make you like one of the big ministers in the country. You're going to be the big boss. And it's going to be so much power, so much fun. And he realizes what he wants to do with his life. It is sad when you meet people who still have a bucket list and obsessed with their bucket list. I have to go here and I have to visit here and I have to eat here and I have to travel here and I have to do this. And never satisfied, never made a decision to serve the kingdom of God and to look for what's coming next. Most people tend to overestimate their abilities when an opportunity like this comes. Now, if you guys, when somebody gets older, even simple conversations could be stressful for them because they can't hear it as well. So because they can't hear as well, it could be stressful when they have a conversation. It could be stressful when they read something, especially in public. It's almost like, if you think about it, God created us in a way, as we get older, our body by itself rejects the lust of the world. That's why the Bible says, look at the ends of their life. And for us, it's almost, we become very victorious. If you look how the end looks like, to try to make my soul strong. And to strengthen my soul through this, through the work of God. There's actually a beautiful story in the Synexorium of one of the, of one of the monks who, who became a pope in the church and once he became a pope he went to visit his mother and once his mother saw him he told her mom I became a pope she started weeping I told her why are you crying he showed him before today you were responsible for your own soul and from now on you're responsible for the soul of all the believers Many times, people don't understand. Or, uh, people get distracted quickly from their main goal, their main focus. And what this man did is quite wonderful. He said, I want to spend the rest of my life. I've made enough. I've had enough. I want to spend the rest of my life following my father's preparing for heaven that's what I want but then he took the opportunity to introduce one of his children Shem Ham and Shem Ham will have a role in 1st Kings chapter 2 verse 7 and he introduced him he says look this man is much younger he's much more capable he's still young he can start helping you in serving the kingdom better And the king answered, Shemham, answered, Shemham shall cross over with me and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Look at, look at, because David found a really wise and trusted man. He told him, whatever you see fit, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever he sees fit, he will do it to his child. Can you imagine? how much David already trusted this person. I recall Keda a long time ago, Abu Nafshuy Kamil, when he was by himself, there were a couple of elders, people who were elders. 
he would used to go and ask them for their opinions about certain topics. And one of them, Abuna Tadris, said he was not even educated. He was not like a doctor. But this man, he was a man of God. People, people are hungry to have people like this around. Those who care for the purpose and the goal of the rest of the world and the kingdom, not for themselves. Then all the people went over the Jordan and the king had crossed over. The king kissed Barazali and blessed him and he returned to his own place. He received pure love from David, not caring about authority and connection, but there's a deeper connection between him and King David. Okay? Now David is almost going to make it to Jerusalem. Okay? All of this is in journey to Jerusalem. It's not easy. Another problem is going to happen. Okay? It's not going to stop. Now the king went to Gilgal, and Shemhem went on with him, and all the people of Judah escorted the king and half of the people of Israel. So what's happening here? The king is coming back from the wilderness to Jerusalem, and people are just talking. The king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. Who went to receive him? People of Judah. How many of the people of Judah? All the people of Judah. And also half of the people of Israel. Okay? Word of mouth. People are telling people, hey, come, the king is coming, those people came. If you guys remember last chapter, we're saying what we're saying that the last people that asked David to come back were the people of Judah. He even had to send them a priest to tell them, until when will you leave the ki the king? I am I am your I am your I am. David is from Judah. He told him, I am your brother. I'm your bone. And he actually at that point appointed Amasa to be his new army leader. So Judah was the last person actually to ask for David to come back. So now a silly problem happened. All of, Israel, uh, all of Judah came, half of Israel came. So what happened? Just then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brother and the men of Judah stole you away and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? It's unfair that all of Judah is with you. So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative of ours. Why are you then angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense? Or has he given us any gift? Basically, silly argument. What happened was, uh, people of Israel are upset. Why all of Judah with you? And Israel only half. But then the people of Judah didn't even give the king a chance to respond. They started yelling at them. Like, we are his family. We are his people. Even though we're his people, whenever actually took something more than anybody else, he treated us fairly. So it's at least the least thing we can do is we can get more share in, in festivity. So then the people of Israel answered. And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king. Remember, Israel is twelve tribes. Is, uh, sorry, uh, the kingdom of Israel is twelve tribes. Israel is ten tribes and Judah is two. But they're telling him we have ten shares and we have ten tribes, you only two. And the king, therefore, we also have more right to David than you. We have, we're the bigger people. Why then do you despise us? Why do you, why do you treat us this way? Were we not the first to advise bringing back our king? 
they're telling him, you, Judah, you are the last people to ask for David to come back. We are the one who told him to come back. Yet the word of men of Judah were furious than the words of men of Israel. This is an important passage. Every event in the church, no matter what happens of the event, if it's successful and glorious and the king is coming and present, the devil is not happy. And there's always something silly that comes and causes problems. And what's easier than the problem of division? By the way, Israel and Judah have always felt no harmony between them. And later on, they were split into two kingdoms. And every time there's an issue that happens, they fight together. A lot of times, even in the churches, even at works, people have already history together. And whenever any event happens, the devil can easily use that history that people have to cause more division and more problems between the people. This is an unintentional mistake. Unintentional mistake. And Judah's response to the people of Israel were very, was very unwise. Remember the Bible says what? It says, a gentle response can win people. The people of Judah were fierce in their arguments. You saw somebody who's upset. Try to embrace them. Try to calm them. A lot of times, people want to reply, repay anger with anger. Anger with anger. And sometimes, I'll tell you another idea, that sometimes people don't understand the history behind the issues. And because you don't understand the, the history, you end up interfering in the wrong way. Yeah, and if, for example, you might find like um, people fighting over a chair or a table that has to be in a certain place. And for you, it might be silly. Why does that matter? But there's a lot, a lot of history about why there's an issue about this chair or this table or this icon. And sometimes when you interfere without knowing the history, you can easily make a very foolish decision. And you could be part of the conflict instead of actually becoming a peacemaker. So here what we see in this situation, a silly situation, the people of Judah started getting angry and jealous. And, and this is very common now between young people and young ladies where people, instead of trying to handle topics, they start bullying each other. And people getting more aggressive and aggressive on how to make fun of people and, 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 and making wrong assumptions and making false rumors about people all the time. And this history sometimes becomes difficult to erase and becomes, for many years, very harmful. But they turned a really good event to a disastrous event. Now, what's happening with this fight? What's, what's this fight is going to lead to? Because nobody, no one was wise to take an action. Chapter 20, another rebellion. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bekrei, a Benjaminite, and he blew the trumpet and said, we have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man to his tent to Israel. 
So this guy, he says, look, Judah and Israel are fighting. He blew the trumpet. By the way, David has not made it yet to Jerusalem. He's still coming. He heard about the division. He says, you know what? We have no share in David anymore. He blew the trumpet and he told the people, we have to separate from David. And by the way, he says, everyone to his tents. It looks like at this point, all of Israel, most of them used to live in the tents because he was taking care of the lands and the farms and all that stuff. So they used to live in tents. Even the tabernacle was in a tent, tent of covenant. So everything was a tent, maybe except of David house, the king was more, he had a nicer house. Look at this verse two, it's so sad. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Pekri, but the men of Judah from the Jordan, as far as Jerusalem, remained loyal to the king. Sheba took advantage of the discontents and he started causing more problems. And this always will happen when people see division, people will take advantage of that division. But what's sad is the response of the people. And I think the response of the people is almost like us. King David, he's a wonderful king. They've done so much. Once just people hear, hear something small or get distracted, they, desert, they, they leave him. They leave him. Quickly. It breaks, me, it breaks my heart so many, so many times when people easily can abandon the church because of something happened without saying, this is my house. This is my mother. People say, oh, I, I was treated this way in the church. How are you treated at work? How are you treated by your friends? How are you treated everywhere? Here, people are so easy to leave. And the isolation has a cost. When you isolate yourself from the king of kings, it has a loss. So David came to his house at Jerusalem. And the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go in them. So they were shut up, they, sh they were shut up to the day of their death, living in the, in the widowhood. So basically what's happening, just to remind you guys, remember when David left his house, he left 10 concubines. Ahithophel, that really smart counsel, he told Absalom, in order for people to know that you and David will never reconcile, you need to go in and sleep with those 10 concubines. So he disobeyed the commandments of God that you should not sleep with your father's concubines were all considered like wives. So he almost kind of took on his, his dad's wives to himself. So now David has a problem. These wives now consider they belong to his son because he slept with them. So he came in and he said, look, all these stone women, no longer I can take them as my wives because I don't want to repair a mistake with another mistake. I'm going to put them in a place where they live with respect and, 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 uh, and dignity, but I no longer will claim them as my wives because of the situation that happened with Absalom. Okay? Uh, so so this, was, this was a way of David of having to deal 
with the mistake of his son and the evil advice of Ahithophel is how he was able to see how can I manage this without breaking the commandment of God and moving on. Now we have a, re a rebellion that's happening and the king has made a new commander, Amasa, because Joab, remember Joab killed his son Absalom, so the king says no more, no more Joab. And the king said to Amasa, this is a new, the, new, the new head of the army, assemble the men of Judah for me within three days and be, pre be, present, and present, your, be present here yourself. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, now Sheba, the son of Pekar, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified city and, and escape us. What is happening here? David has a new army, Amasa, he's from Judah. He told him, go, get all the men of Judah. We have a big problem, and if we don't handle this problem, it will be worse than Absalom revolt. The head of the new army took too long. David told him, you have three days, come back. He took too long, he did not even send any messages. So David started getting worried. So David talked to, he talked to Abishai. Who's Abishai? I'm sorry, I want you guys to pay attention because if you, don't, if you miss the names, you're going to get confused. Who's Abishai? Abishai is the brother of Joab, the ex-head of the army who killed Absalom. So Joab was always the head of the army of David. Until the day he killed Absalom, David told him, no, you step aside, and I'm going to put Amasa instead of you. Amasa was delayed, so David went to Abishai, who is the brother of Joab. He told him, look, this guy is taking too long. Come and, uh, and go so we can go fight this war, otherwise we will be, will be a problem. So Abishai is collecting people. Who is he going to collect? Probably his brother, Joab, one of the men he's going to take. So verse 7. So Joab's men, the Sherathites and the Pelthites, and all the mighty men went out after him. Those, by the way, these two groups, David used to use them to enforce the law in Israel. To enforce the law. So they were not more like army. Think of them as police officers. You know, if they're speeding, they give tickets, stuff like that. So they were the people who were enforced the law in, in Jerusalem. And all the mighty men went out after him. And they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Shepha, the son of Pekri. When they were at the large stone, which is in Gabon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in a battle armor. On it was a belt with a sword fastened in its sheath at its hip, his hip. And as he was going forward, it fell out. So what's happening here? Abishai collected the army. Who is going with the army? Joab. As he is exiting, who's coming? Amasa and the people with him. Now what does Joab do? Joab had a small knife with him, hidden. And that small knife fell. Okay? Now, according to Josephus, who's a Jewish historian, he said that Joab made it drop on purpose. It was not an accident that he made it drop. Okay? So now Amasa is coming with an army. 
Abishai and Abshalom have their army. Both are go, should go fight together. Then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? He's greeting him. And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hands. And he struck him in its stomach, and his entrails poured out on the ground, and he did not strike him again, thus he died. Then Joab and Abushai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Pekroi. What's happening here? Joab obviously could not take the fact that he's no longer the head of the army. Amasa on his side, they're fighting both of them for David the prophet for the kingdom of Israel. Now what did he do? He took his beard to kiss him. This was a very common way of greeting very close people to you. Remember, they're all the tribe of Judah. They're all family. Amasa and Joab and Abishai, they're all family. So he took him from his beard and he kissed him. And as he was kissing him, he, he stabbed him with a knife so made him die. What does this remind us of? Judas. It's exactly what he did with our Lord Jesus Christ. He kissed our Lord Jesus Christ, showed him the greatest act of love between friendship, while behind him he's betraying him. And that's why his betrayal, the betrayal of Judas, considered to be a great betrayal, because he used the means of love to betray his friends. He was not a known enemy, but he was a hidden enemy. It seems also that Abishai has a weak personality in front of Joab. Joab seems like the big guy. Everybody respects this man. You know, he's, he's always the, the, the leader. And there's a big problem. It seems like David did not set the right boundary with Joab. Even though Joab killed his son, David did not, did not try to punish Joab or try to put some limits for him. You guys know why? Because of David's sin. Remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba? Who covered for him? Joab. He sent him a letter and he told him, put this man in the front war. And the, and the husband of Bathsheba was killed. And Joab came and told him, we killed this man. Because of his sin, he had to keep a disobedient, rebellious army leader who covered for him. And this happens a lot. When we sin in a group setting, when we sin in a group setting, that destroys our credibility sometimes to move forward. And it becomes a hindrance to our life. When you sin in a group sitting and then you try to move closer to God, people are going to come, come on, man, uh, don't act this way. We know you. We know you, what you used to do. We know what you used to say. At any time, they might bring an inappropriate joke or an inappropriate comment. Why? Because you have opened this door for yourself. But Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. He left him on the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, people that with Amasa were confused, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him. When he saw that everyone who came upon him halted, 
When he saw, when he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Shepha, the son of Pekroi. Obviously, this is a very shocking scene to the people that Amasa brought in with him. Everyone stood not, not knowing what to do. So to, to kind of try to mitigate the situation, they took the dead body, put it on, on the sideways, they covered it with a garment, and they said, we have a war, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it shows you sometimes there are what we call wrong loyalty. Some people can be, can be loyal to people who are harmful to them. Each one of us is hungry for an identity, a group of friends they, be, they live with. But some people can have a harmful impact, like what we saw here. And he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Beth, uh, Beth and all the Beratite, so they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. So basically, Sheba went to an area that's way north of Israel. He started running. He's trying to find a fortified city that he can stay in so he can start building himself and move forward. So he moved all the way to the north, okay? Then they came and besieged him in Apple of Beth. Maica, and they cast up a siege uh, moon against the city and stood by the rampart and all the people who were Joab battered the wall to throw it down. So what's happening here? This guy was entrapped in a city. If you guys remember in the old, in the old cities, the cities has walls, but there is an area that was always vulnerable in the wall, the most vulnerable area in the wall. So if you want to get into the city, you have to hit this area from far because you don't want to be close to the city if there's no entrance. Usually people protect the gate very well. So the people of Israel, the army of Judah, surrounded the city and they're trying to hit that most vulnerable area in the wall. Look what happened here. This is also kind of important because it teaches you the role of women in the cities of Israel. Then a wise woman cried out of the city. A war happening. People are throwing stuff at the most vulnerable war and this, this woman cries out, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, come nearby that I may speak with him. A woman crying out from the city says, I want to talk to Joab. Joab is the head of the army now. When he had come near to hear her, the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservants. And he answered, I'm listening. What's happening here? The war is happening. Obviously, all the people inside the city are terrified. They have a big army. It's going to destroy them. So this woman screams from the city. Most people say that this woman was considered to be a known woman in the city. You know how like in every township we have, a, we have townships, you know, councils. Most likely this woman was like a township council kid, you know. Somebody who was well known and somebody who, who people respected her. And that tells you about, you know, how women had leaderships in different aspects of Israel. The head of the army during the war he went to talk to this woman. So this was not, a, this was not a, just an unknown person just crying, come, the war is making me scared. No, he knows her. People told her this is a leader of the city, one of the leaders of the city, and we'll see how she led the city later on. So she spoke saying, they used to talk in a former time saying, they shall surely seek guidance at Apple. And so they would end disputes. She used to tell him, our city is known to be a peaceful city. 
As a matter of fact, there is an old saying that if you have conflict of this or disputes, you have to come to our city and we will resolve it for you. So she's basically telling him, you're coming to the wrong place to have a war. We are the most peacemaker, making people in the world. Among the peaceful and faithful in Israel, you seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Look what she told him. The woman, they very, very strong. She told him, we're not only peaceful, you're coming here to a peaceful and a faithful city. And if you destroy the city, the city does not belong to you. The city belongs to Israel, the inheritance of God. Are you going to destroy the inheritance of God? You see, the, the way that she's speaking, when she speaks with authority, with wisdom, she's talking to the head of the army. She's not talking to anybody. Uh, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take the Joab's response and we'll continue next time. And Joab answered and said, Far it be, far it be from me. You know, you feel like now Joab is so scared. I should, swall I, I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Shepherd, the son of Pekri, by, by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David, deliver, deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman in her wisdom went to the people and they cut off the head of Shepherd, the son of Pekri, and threw it out to Joab and they blew the trumpet and, the, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. So what's happening here? The, Joab told her, no, 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 I did not come to destroy the city. I did not come to destroy the, the inheritance of God. I just came because there's one guy, a rebel inside, who's protected in the city. Showed him no problem. Watch his head being thrown from the wall. She went and she talked to the people and she told them, cut his head because this is the man, because of him we're all going to die. I want to tell you guys something, get a small first of all about the concept of war quickly before we go in. In the time of war, unfortunately, people have to die. It is one of the results of the sinfulness of humanity. And there is a lot of discussion about what makes a war just. War might not be good, but it might be just. And in this case, this war was just because somebody who is not called to become a king by God, he was not from the heirs of the kingdom, claimed to become a king. And he wanted to cause a revolt. And if this man does not die, the kingdom will continue to be unstable. Why is this important in my life and your life? Whenever there is a warfare happening in my life, if I keep the sources of this war in my life, I will never be stable. I will constantly be between the two sides, between the good and bad, quickly going back to sin. If I don't kill the source of the sin, if I don't kill the source of the sin. 
So this is what's happening here. This wise woman who was, who was able to save a whole city because she said this enemy that we have inside our city will destroy all of us. And then the way she spoke with, with Joab was also with a lot of courage. We as the children of God are not violent, but we're courageous. We can speak with wisdom, can speak with power and strength, with love. And that's the mystery of these conversations that could result in a good outcome and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.